Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of Just Doing Our Cobb. Also happens to be our final episode. I'm Casey Sarma. And I'm Robbie Harbin. Today we're going to be talking about some of the more current news going on in this sports world with even the lack of live sports right now, like the NFL draft. We're going to be doing our own mocks. Rob Gronkowski just got traded, so that's some crazy news going over the Jordan documentary, different things like that. So let's go ahead and get into it. We're going to start off talking about the Rob Gronkowski news. Just broke in a little bit before this episode. He's going to be traded to the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers to reunite with his old friend Tom Brady. The Patriots, it looks like, are getting back a fourth-rounder and a seventh-rounder. Casey, what are your initial thoughts on this trade? I did, definitely did not see it coming. I thought Gronk was going to stay retired. I did not see any possibility that he was coming out of retirement, especially with the Patriots asking him basically to come out of retirement the last couple last year for the playoffs, and there was the rumors of that. So, I don't know. It's just – I guess it's good for the Patriots because it cleans the salary off of their books. I mean, I can't remember. I think they were going to pay him $10 million this year in guaranteed money that they owed him. So, it's good for the Patriots and good for the Bucks in this scenario. It's just something I just didn't see coming. Yeah, I agree. I uh, I remember I joked about it actually like a month ago. I had to pull up some texts with my friends saying, like, imagine if Rob Gronkowski went to the Bucks now. And one of them, I actually have his reply. He said, I'm not going to imagine because it's never going to happen. So I had a screenshot <laughs> that and send it to him today. I'm like, uh, you know what? It kind of happened. You know, I I would have liked to have seen the Patriots get more than a fourth and seventh rounder back. And this is why it's tough because, I mean, that's such a tough deal because obviously Gronk's never going to play for them again. So at least you're getting a little something back. But if Gronk is anywhere near as good as he was, you know, pre-injuries in those last seasons, then the Buccaneers got absolute steal you know you have Tom Brady thrown to Gronk Mike Evans Chris Godwin OJ Howard that's just a nuts receiving core now probably going to look to boost their offensive line here in the draft so I think I think it's a major win for the Buccaneers if Gronk can get kind of back in that football shape and then obviously like you said the Patriots get Gronk's salary off their books and they get a couple decent picks out of it that they might be able to do something with yeah, there's a, also the whole new dynamic, too. You, you alluded to the picks that they got. I thought for sure when I saw the Rob Gronkowski news that there was going to be one of those two tight ends in Tampa getting traded in New England. Now they have – that didn't happen, and the Bucks have Gronk, uh, O.J. Howard, and Cameron Braid. I yep. mean, do you see all those guys staying this year, or do you see one of them getting traded before the season? Well, O.J. Howard's been on the trade block for a couple weeks now, which was kind of almost when some initial early on reports came out about Gronk possibly wanting to play back in Tampa Bay. So I think he could possibly get shipped out just because he you probably get a little bit more back for him than Cameron Bray. Cameron Bray's obviously solid catcher, uh, solid blocking tight end, but O.J. Howard's far better than Cameron Bray is. So I think, you know, Cameron, Cameron Bray's a perfect number two. He could compliment Rob Gronkowski just – fine for what they need that's why I think OJ Howard will probably end up being dealt before the season starts yeah it'll be interesting to see especially with the draft coming up this weekend and the real need for tight end for some of these teams if he could be a part of a package for any of these teams in the draft yeah and you know I immediately kind of thought to myself when I saw this news as a Patriots fan like man they should have just done a 
a sign and trade with Jameis Winston got him back for for Gronk, but unfortunately that didn't happen either. He's still a free agent now, right? No one signed him. Yep. Same with Cam Newton. He's going to the Pats. One of them is. I just have this feeling that they're not going to go into the season, especially if they don't draft a QB in the first round this year. They're not going to go into the season with Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer. It just ain't going to happen. You know what? We're going to find out here in a couple uh, – well, by the time this episode releases, we'll find out today probably. All right. Yeah. So, speaking of drafting, Patriots, mock draft, different things like that, we're going to go ahead – Casey and I have gone ahead, did a full mock draft of the first round, so Thursday night. Um, definitely a lot of big names in here, a lot of guys. I mean, obviously, we're things end up being so far off with mock drafts. You have different trades, different things like that, that you really can't account for all that great. But Casey and I are going to go through pick by pick, just give a little bit of a breakdown on why we think um, these players are going to go there. So let's start. Obviously, number one right now, you have the Cincinnati Bengals. Casey, tell me why they're not taking Joe Burrow. So you pretty much gave me the layup here. I mean, it, it's Joe Burrow. That's bottom line. No other pick here. I mean, you get your franchise guy. Zach Taylor gets his guy. Just makes sense from the, that perspective. They needed a QB for a while since pretty much since Carson Palmer left. I mean, Andy Dalton's been serviceable, but they need someone to get him over the hump, and Joe Burrow is that guy. All right, who do you got for the number one, Robbie? You know, I got to agree with you. Going Joe Burrow, definitely the most accurate passer in this year's uh, quarterback class, I think. You pair him up with guys like A.J. Green, Joe Mixon, uh, offensive-minded coach like Zach Taylor, that could become a little bit of a threat if they get some offensive line help. So moving on to the number two pick, Washington Redskins. I'm going with Chase Young here, the defensive end out of Ohio State. He's just a menace, highly rated as the best defensive player in this draft, can disrupt quarterbacks very easily, which is something Washington needs right now. Uh, Casey, where do you have number two? Yeah, you know, this is pretty much the same here. I got to go with Chase Young as well. I do not think that the Washington Redskins are going to pick him, though. I think that with as many trade rumors have been up with that number two pick, it's going to be someone else that's going to pick Chase Young. But if Washington does hang in there, I think they're going with Chase Young. So it'll be interesting to see overall what happens with that pick on Thursday night. Well, Casey, I have a trade to announce. At number three, the Miami Dolphins are trading up. For the Lions, they're going to go back to number five pick, a few of the late rounders, and they are going to take their quarterback of the future, Tua Tungavailoa. Bold, bold. So you got the Lions moving up to three. And I got the, the Dolphins, or the Dolphins moving up to moving three. Back, yep. All right. That's a, that's a bold pick. Why, why you got Tua going at three? You think he's, he wouldn't be there for the Dolphins at five? I, I think the Dolphins don't want to take that chance, and I think they have the ammo to where they can move up to number three. Just because, I mean, I don't think that obviously the Lions or the Chargers, or sorry, not the Chargers, the Lions or the Giants would take Tua, but it's more about the Chargers trying to leap, and I think Miami can offer more, so I think they're going to go ahead and do it. Makes sense. I like that pick. What do you got, Case? Uh, my number three overall pick for the Detroit Lions is Jeff Okuda. After that Darius Slay trade, it just makes sense for them to ha need some DB help. Jeff Okuda, top 10 athlete at Ohio State. So I have two Ohio States going back-to-back -back with Chase Young and then Jeff Okuda to the Detroit Lions. Who do you got with the number four pick to the New York Giants? Unless you got another trade for us, Robbie. No, no more trades right now. Um, I think the Giants stick at number four. 
you know, like I mentioned, they don't really need a quarterback. What I think they need is a strong offensive tackle, a good good guy on the line there to help out a young quarterback like Daniel Jones, who has hit repeatedly last year. Maybe give Saquon Barkley a little more running room. So I'm going with Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa. I think he's probably the best offensive lineman in this year's class. Yeah, I like that Tristan Wirfs pick a lot. I have him in my top ten as well. I think that's a really good pick for the Lion or for the Giants. But one thing from my pick that I just can't shake, I saw the news a couple days ago. This is probably not going to happen. I just would love to see the scenario where it happens. We're not, it's not unprecedented to see two years back-to-back of first-round quarterback picks. We did see Kyler Murray get drafted one year after Josh Rosen. I think that after all the news, Justin Herbert gets taken at number four by the New York Giants. Wow. That's a Old pick right there. I can't wait to see it. Oh, my God. If that happens, Twitter would blow up on David Edelman. Daniel Jones gets shipped out the door, I think. I don't know. I just don't have a feeling. They're, they, for spending as much time as they did, reportedly, to talk to those guys, to talk to Justin Herbert, it just doesn't make sense. Like, the, unless you're trying to bait someone into a trade, it just doesn't add up. Yeah. Yeah, that's – oh. I would love to see Herbert go there. That'd be crazy. All right, let's go ahead and move on to number five. Originally, the Dolphins. Casey, sounds like you still have them there. Who do you have them taken here at five? I have them taken the same pick that you have to Otago Vailoa just at five. I don't think they need to trade to get two up, but, I mean, if as healthy as everyone says, draft night, anything can happen. I could totally see the Dolphins needing a maneuver to get him. But as of right now, I have him at five to the Dolphins. With my number five pick, I do have the Lions after that trade. Again, I'm agreeing with your pick, but just after the trade, I think they take Jeff Okuda. He's been, you know, rumored to go to the Lions almost this whole time. Every mock draft has him going there. Like you mentioned, they need a big boost at defensive back. He's obviously the best in the class, so I think he'd be a great fit there. Let's go ahead and move on to the number six pick held by the Los Angeles Chargers. Casey, who you got? I am going with Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson. I think he's just too good of an athlete to make it out of the top five. They need a quarterback bad. But, I mean, if he's sitting there at six, and in most mock drafts, there will be a quarterback sitting there. Granted, I had Justin Herbert going at four to the New York Giants. But I think they need help at linebacker. They just don't have the same depth that they used to at linebacker. So I could totally see Isaiah Simmons going to the Chargers. He's really a linebacker that can do everything for you. So I got him going at six. First off, I love how you said I can't see Isaiah Simmons going outside the top five, but you have him at number six. Well, I, you know, I had to throw in Herbert at four. So technically it made him slide out of the top five. On draft night. I go against my own beliefs a lot. You know that, Rob. Speaking, speaking of your boy, Herbert, that's who I think the Chargers will stick with at number six. I think he's going to stay West Coast. I think he's going to learn that system, obviously have some great weapons, learn a little bit behind Tyrod Taylor, who's obviously a very experienced quarterback. I think it'll be a good fit for him. Moving on to number seven, we have the Carolina Panthers. All right. I think for the Carolina Panthers, they're going to need some defensive line help. And they're at, a pl- they're at a point where they need help everywhere, so it's pretty much best player available. I'm going to go with Derek Brown, defensive tackle out of Auburn for him. I just really like his skill set. He's, he's a guy that can stuff the, stop the run. He can rush the passer. I mean, he can do pretty much everything. So I'd like an interior defensive lineman going to the Carolina Panthers at seven. You know what, Casey? I agree with you. I also have Derek Brown going there. You know, he could play inside, he could play outside, really whatever you need. He can play just about in any scheme. He's a very versatile player, like you mentioned. Let's go ahead and move on to number eight, Arizona Cardinals, where obviously 
Kyler Murray's been a big fan of C.D. Lamb, trying to get him to go there. His former Oklahoma teammate, Casey, of C.D. going there, or you have somebody else? I've got someone else going there. I mean, their offensive line was a wreck last year. You had Wirfs going a lot earlier than I do. So I have Tristan Wirfs of Iowa going to Arizona. They picked way too many wide receivers last year. I just don't see him spending any more draft capital on them. But if Wirfs isn't sitting there on Thursday, I could totally see them going wide receiver. But right now, since he's available, I got to stick with Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa. How about you, Ravi? I am officially taking the first wide receiver of the draft here. And his name is not C.D. Lamb. Despite all Kyler Murray's active, active uh, recruiting of him, I think the Cardinals go with Henry Ruggs at the number eight pick. He's going to be the first receiver taken off the board. I think C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy are both a little more like DeAndre Hopkins, who the Cardinals obviously just traded for. So I think they go try to get some blazing speed on the outside to pair with DeAndre Hopkins. They try to get their own version of Tyree Kill. Just those two together with Larry Fitzgerald still balling year in year out I think that'd be an unstoppable force together I like that pick a lot I, I it was tough to not go wide receiver but you know you got to stack up the offensive line especially with a talented quarterback like Kyler Murray all right at number nine Jacksonville Jaguars who who knows if they'll even have this pick because it sounds like every player wants out of there so they might end up trading some everything away on draft night who knows but right now Jacksonville Jaguars Casey who you got at number nine well, you know, they need some offensive line help, too. So I'm going to go with Mekhi Becton out of Louisville. It's a big, strong offensive lineman. A lot of draft, draft boards have him either playing offensive, offensive guard or offensive tackle. He's one of those guys that can swing in and out. So I really like him and the versatility that he brings for the Jacksonville Jaguars. How about you? You know, I think that they need some, some cornerback help. Obviously, they lost A.J. Bouye, Jalen Ramsey within the past year. Um, I think I do like your pick of offensive line. That's obviously a big area that they need. But I'm going with C.J. Henderson out of Florida. I think he's probably the second-best cornerback in this draft, uh, second-best defensive back total in this draft behind Jeff Okuda, obviously. I think he fits a big big need for them. And so that's where I have uh, the Jaguars taking him. So number 10, we have the, everybody's favorite Cleveland Browns. Maybe draft quarterback to replace Baker already. Who knows, Casey? What do you got? <laughs> I've got Jedrick Wills Jr. out of Alabama. I mean, offensive line again, offensive line early for a lot of these teams here. I don't know. I just really think Cleveland, if they're 100% sold that Baker is the guy basing it off of his rookie or not last year's disastrous season, I think that they're going to need to solidify that offensive line. Greg Robinson was okay, but they're going to need someone better than that. And I think Jedrick Wills Jr. can totally be that guy for them. You know, I also got the Browns taking a lineman that can help on the, uh, the outside there at offensive tackle, but I'm going with Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. I do have Jedrick Wills here just in a few picks, but uh, I personally, I like uh, Andrew Thomas just a little bit more than Jedrick Wills. I think he could, you know, really protect Baker, solidify some of the run game issues that they've had, which obviously Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt's an explosive backfield, so some offensive line boost could definitely help him out. Now, for number 11, we have the New York Jets, where I have my second wide receiver being picked. I'm going that the New York Jets are going to take Jerry Judy out of Alabama. I'm going with two, two guys out of Alabama so far at wide receiver. Um, I think Jerry Judy is just a little bit more polished of a route runner right now, which is what a lot of teams love to see coming out of college. Obviously, he's been probably the best receiver the past couple of years in the FBS. So I think he is going to take, go to the Jets, get Sam Darnold some help. Casey, what do you have there? 
You know, I have the other Alabama receiver, Henry Ruggs, going to the New York Jets. We're both looking at the Jets and saying they need receiver help. I mean, either way, you really can't go wrong with either of those guys. I just went with Henry Ruggs maybe because the experience factor. I just like him better as a prospect, too, after watching some of his tapes. So I went with Henry Ruggs there for the New York Jets at 11. All right, moving on to 12, the, the new Las Vegas Raiders. Casey, who do you have them taking? I have the Las Vegas Raiders. I know you're a big fan of this guy. I have the Las Vegas Raiders taking C.D. Lamb. They've had a big, massive wide receiver hole since they traded away Amari Cooper a couple seasons ago to the Dallas Cowboys. I just, I really like C.D. Lamb's skill set, and I think it fits really well with what John Gruden's offense tends to bring, which is a lot of downfield passing. But they got to get the quarterback to do that as well. Well, Casey, for number 12 with the Raiders, I'm going also with the guy I love, the same guy, C.D. Lamb. I think every point you made, glaring issue on the Raiders right now. He's obviously an explosive playmaker with the balls. With <laughs> he's, ob he's obviously an explosive playmaker with the ball in his hand. He makes, makes a lot of guys miss in the open field, something that the Raiders are really kind of struggling with right now, I think. You know, him and Josh Jacobs can be kind of a nice one-two punch there at the running back wide receiver spots. Um, moving on, we have the number 13 pick, the NFC champions, San Francisco 49ers. You know, this is a tough one. I mean, San Fran coming off of a Super Bowl with a lot of holes, I believe, especially on the offensive side of the ball. With this pick, I'm going to go wide receiver Jerry Judy out of Alabama. I just really like his skill set along with – so I'm going three wide receivers in a row pretty much. I like his skill set. I like um, his route running ability. I think it fits really well with what uh, what Shanahan wants to do on offense. And with Jimmy Garoppolo's game, who do you got at number 13? You know, um, the 49ers also have the 31st pick, obviously, right now in the draft. So I actually have been taking a wide receiver later on in the round because I already have those, those big three gone. So I think at this, since this is a guy you've talked about, I think six, seven picks ago, Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson. I think he falls a little bit. Um, I saw some report come out about how an NFL executive thinks that he's kind of not all he's hyped up to be right now, which could possibly see a slide on draft day, especially with some of these teams maybe maybe filling other needs. So I think he could fall to number 13 at the 49ers and just be the cherry on top of that already stacked San Francisco 49ers defense. I like that pick. I'm a big fan. All right. So if we're going to move on to the number 14 pick, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who you got with this one, Robbie? That's another guy you've already had go in your mock draft. I'm going with Jedrick, Jedrick Wills Jr. out of Alabama. I think their, their offensive line is not horrible or anything back there, but it's definitely one of their bigger issues. I think with a guy like Tom Brady, a little more upright, a little less mobility than Jameis Winston, not saying Jameis had a ton, but I think that a guy like Ginger Bills can come in right away, help out boost that depth of the offensive line and get Tom Brady some protection. Yeah, I think I agree with that. That's why I went with another offensive lineman that you already picked, uh, Andrew Thomas out of Georgia, for the same reasons you had brought up above. I mean, you got Tom Brady. You got all these guys. You just traded for Gronk today. You don't need playmakers. Better stock up on the offensive line. All right, at number 15 to the Denver Broncos, this is where I have another guy you already had taken. I'm Mecky Beckton going here out of Louisville. I think he is going to be a much-needed boost to that Denver Broncos O-line, helping out Drew Locke, helping out new running back Melvin Gordon. Casey, who do you have going, to, going up to Denver? 
Uh, I have Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina, defensive lineman. I don't know. I feel like they just, every single draft, they always go defensive line front seven on their defensive side. So I'm going to go with it again this year. And I think Javon Kinlaw fits their defense really well. All right. Now moving on to number 16, the Atlanta Falcons. Casey, what do you got? I am going with an edge rusher, a big edge rusher that made a lot of noise in the college football playoff this year. Caleb Von Chiasen out of LSU. I mean, he's a guy that can, I'm expecting to be about a 10 to 15 sack per year guy. I mean, just not as good as a Chase Young, but I mean, he's the next best you're going to get. I'm really excited for the Atlanta Falcons to get a guy like Caleb Von Chiasen. I think he fits exactly what they're trying to do on defense. And I just really like the pick. I like him there. I'm going with, as long as the Denver Broncos don't take him like you have, I'm going with Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina here at the number 16 pick. Um, kind of similar reasons to, to Chasen that you just mentioned. I think that he just fits a need for the Atlanta Falcons, can play in their system really well, and obviously had a great college career and can become something great in, uh, on the professional level, level. All right, moving on to everybody's favorite America's team, Dallas Cowboys at number 17, taking a quarterback to replace Dak, am I right? Uh, as much as I want to, and because I'm really not a big Dak fan, I am going to go with a smart pick here. I mean, they need help in the, in the secondary for sure. I'm going to go back-to-back LSU, cornerback Christian Fulton out of LSU, number 17 to the Dallas Cowboys. How about you, Robbie? Who you got? Literally the same pick for the same reasons. Same except not back-to-back <laughs> back LSU players. But, yeah, I also have Christian Fulton for going to the Cowboys. All right, now at number 18, again, Miami Dolphins with their second pick of the first round. Um, I'd be amazed if we had this pick the same. I'm going with Isaiah Wilson, Georgia offensive lineman. I think he's going to give a good boost to whether it's Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh Rosen, Tua, whoever would be starting there next year, depending on Tua's health, obviously. That's a much a definite need for the Dolphins, and I think that Isaiah Wilson can obviously help fill it from day one. I like that move a lot. And this pick, with I am actually going to go with Xavier McKinney, safety out of Alabama. I just don't see Brian Flores' team not getting a defensive player in the first round. I think he fits exactly what they're trying to do defensively because many reasons. He's athletic, like he's a ball hawk. I just think he fits really well with the Miami Dolphins. All right, so now we're going to move on to the number 19 pick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Raiders. Yeah. So now we're going to move on to the number 19 pick. Who you got, Robbie? So obviously the, the Las Vegas Raiders are here again at number 19. After just taking C.D. Lamb a little bit ago in my draft, I think they're going to go ahead and go defensive side of the ball. Uh, still an outside guy. I'm going with TCU cornerback uh, Jeff Gladney. I think that's another another big area of need, and I think he's, like you just mentioned, a ball hawk. And I think that he can come in, get turnovers, be a big improvement on that secondary. I like that pick a lot. But since I went wide receiver in the first or early first with the Raiders, I am going to go with Marlon Davidson, defensive lineman out of Auburn. I mean, the Raiders defense has been pretty much a wreck for the longest time now. So any fresh blood they can get on the on that defense, especially premier talent like Davidson's going to help out. So I'm going to go with the defensive side of the ball and go Marlon Davidson out of Auburn. All right. Now we have another pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars at number 20. Who do you have? 
This is where I actually went defensive back. I mean, we talked about it earlier. You talked about it with uh, A.J. Bouye gone and all the help that they're going to need in the secondary. I mean, a guy, a guy staying in state, C.J. Henderson out of Florida, just a really talented defensive back. I think he can play any any cornerback position that they ask him to play. He's just got the talent to do that. So I really like to pick C.J. Henderson out of Florida. So we both have C.J. Henderson going there, just the different picks right now. All right, at uh, number 20 for the Jaguars, I have a guy you just mentioned a few picks ago, Clavin Chasen from LSU, Ed Rusher. I think he'll be another big boost to that defense, especially – what's their guy's name that they might lose? Nugamoki oh, or something? Yannick Ngakwe, I think his name is. Ngakwe? Yeah. I think. Especially, especially if they lose a guy like Nguake, who obviously has wanted out with these trade rumors, I think he can come in kind of replace that edge rule, be an immediate impact for the team. All right, number 21, Philadelphia Eagles. Who do you have going up to Philly? Uh, for Philly, you know, I mean, they can't really be tossing it to practice squad receivers next year. So I am going to go with Brendan Ayuk out of Arizona State, wide receiver. I really like his skill set a lot. I think he's a really polished route runner, and he, can, he has a, a very defined route tree that would really help Carson Wentz. And I just think it's a pick made in heaven. And if he, if he's sitting there for the Philadelphia Eagles, I really like the matchup with Brandon Ayuk. How about you? I also went with wide receiver here. I did not go Ayuk. I have him going a little bit later. But I went with Denzel Mims out of Baylor. Not quite the polished route runner as um, Ayuk is, but I think that he's just a big receiver, very monstrous guy. His catch radius is insane, which Carson Wentz had a little bit of inconsistency on his throws last year. I think a guy like that could have – help him bring down some more balls like that. Obviously, an upgrade from guys like Nelson Aguilar, who drops just about everything you throw to him. But, yeah, obviously wide receiver, a big boost here for, for the Eagles. All right, number 22, Minnesota Vikings. Casey, who's who's going to be a Viking? Um, I think Jalen Johnson, cornerback out of Utah. I mean, you're in today's NFL, you're never going to need – or you're never going to be – at a point where you're not going to need defensive backs. I mean, he's a great defensive back. He's definitely going to help out that team. I just really like the personnel match. And the Vikings are a team, too, where they can pick any player, best player available. So I went with Jalen Johnson out of Utah. With my number 22 pick, I have the Vikings going wide receiver, obviously, after losing Stephon Diggs. That's, they're looking for that number two guy now to back up Adam Thielen. I'm going with T. Higgins out of Clemson. I think he's an electric playmaker with the ball in his hands come in, be a big help for uh, Kirk Cousins. I like that pick a lot. I'm a big T. Higgins guy. Who do you got next for the your team, the New England Patriots, at number 23? My New England Patriots are going to take Jake Fromm from Georgia. No, I'm just kidding. They're going to take <laughs> Jordan Love. Yeah, me there for a second. They're taking, they're taking Jordan Love out of Utah State. Definitely a top four quarterback prospect in this draft. There's a glaring difference between number four and number five, where whoever you want to put a number five in hurts Jake from Jake East and anyone like that. Obviously, Jordan Love, big boost from probably Jared Stidham or Brian Hoyer right now. Could possibly come in, learn the system for a year with Josh McDaniels and Belichick. Well, either Stidham or Hoyer, who know the system relatively well, can play, but he has the potential that neither of those guys have for the Patriots. 
Yep, that was uh, same here. Ditto. I mean, I went Jordan Love as well. I mean, if New England takes a guy like Jordan Love, I would say the AFC East has the most promising future out of all quarterbacks. I mean, Josh Allen, really athletic. Tua, if he goes to the Dolphins, like we said, really athletic. I mean, Sam Darnold has athleticism, and he's flourishing in that system in New York, I think, this year. It's just it's going to be a really exciting division, and if Jordan Love goes to New England Patriots, I mean, future is all there for the AFC East. All right, now we're on the New Orleans Saints. Who do you got going number 24? I got another one of your guys, Kenneth Murray of Oklahoma, linebacker going to the New Orleans Saints. Once we get deeper and deeper into this draft, I think it's just a lot of best player available, and he was one on my board that really stuck out, and I like him going to the Saints at 24. You know, I think I think that'd be a good fit, but I, I also have the Saints going defense, but I had them going a guy you just mentioned a bit ago, Jalen Johnson, Utah cornerback, I think that Jalen can get in there. He can be a big help to their secondary, which was probably the bigger weakness of their uh, their defense last year. I think their front seven is probably just fine for right now. I think that they want to address this cornerback situation just a little bit before they get to the rest of their defense. Going back to number 25 now, we have the Vikings again after just picking a few picks ago. Who do you have there? I actually have my first trade of the draft. I have – the Vikings, because they originally traded that pick for Stefan Diggs, traded him away. That's the Bills pick. I originally have them staying, but I was like, you know, I don't really like that. I have Cincinnati trading back into the first round and getting Joe Burrow, his guy, Justin Jefferson, wide receiver out of LSU. It wouldn't be too steep for them. I mean, they'd only be trading up. They have the first pick in the second round, so they would only be trading up like six, seven picks. It wouldn't be too much to ask. But I think Justin Jefferson really solidifies that wide receiver group in Cincinnati, and I think it would be a great match, as it already proved it was at LSU. You know, I really like that. I could definitely see the Bengals trying to get get Joe Burrow as comfortable as possible, obviously, for his first year. I think that um, the Vikings stay where they're at right now. I have them addressing quarterback, just like the Saints. But I have them going with the Trayvon Diggs out of Alabama. Obvious monster at cornerback, definite ball hawk, can come in, make plays right away for that defense. Yeah, they get the other Diggs, brother. They trade one out the door and get the other one. True that. All right, now we're going to move on to number 26, the Miami Dolphins again with their third pick in the first round. I wanted to see them trade out of this pick just because, you know, you got three, trade down and acquire some more draft capital. But they are going to need some offensive line help. So I have them going with Josh Jones out of Houston. A lot of people have him going in the second round, but I've seen the Dolphins meet with him a lot, and Brian Flores has spoken really highly of him. So I could see them just holding at 26 and drafting Josh Josh Jones out of Houston, offensive lineman. I like that pick. I actually – I'm agreeing with something you said earlier about the Dolphins, that they're not going to go the first round without taking a defensive, a defensive player because obviously in my draft I already have them taken two uh, – and Isaiah Wilson's already addressing the offensive line. So I think they go with Kenneth Murray here out of Oklahoma. He can become an anchor of that defense, middle linebacker, leader. Um, he's athletic. He's quick to the ball. I think he, he'd be a big boost. I like All right, that now, pick. Now number 27, the Seattle Seahawks. Casey, who do you got? Uh, it seems like every single year, you know, you go into a season, the Seattle Seahawks either have injuries or they're just underpaying a bunch of scrubs on their offensive line. So this is the perfect time for the Seahawks to grab Ezra Cleveland out of Boise State. Makes a quick trip over to Iowa uh, from Idaho to Washington. 
I think he just really matches what they're trying to do offensively. I like the pick, and I think Ezra Cleveland is going to be a Seattle Seahawk. I also have the Seahawks addressing their offensive line here with the guy you just mentioned, Josh Jones, big frame out of Houston. Um, I think he still has some work to do to develop, obviously. Maybe not necessarily the footwork or the intangibles right now of an instant starter, but could easily become that. Obviously has all the potential in the world. Next, moving on to the Ravens, who just are coming off a phenomenal season with the 28 pick. Who's joining Lamar Jackson? I am going to go with linebacker Jordan Brooks out of Texas Tech. I mean, they really need to address this position after losing C.J. Mosley two years ago. The defense was still great last year, but anytime you can add a guy of this talent to your defense, it's going to make a big big change. And you know Baltimore always turning those guys into, like, all pros and everything like that. So I really like Jordan Brooks out of Texas Tech at number 28. You know, I think that's a good pick. I have similar reasoning behind mine, but – Completely different pick. I think that they need to address Marshall Yonda now retiring. So I have them taking an offensive guard. John Simpson out of Clemson. Probably the best interior offensive lineman in this draft. Still available this late in the round because everybody's addressing that, that tackle position in my uh, in my mock. But I think he can come in and fill, a, fill that hole right away. I like that pick. All right, so now we are going to move on to number 29, the Tennessee Titans. Who do you have, Robbie, going here? I'm going back-to-back Clemson Tigers now. I think they're going to address the cornerback position with their first-round pick. I have them taking A.J. Terrell out of Clemson. I really I like that pick a lot. I'm going to go for the Tennessee Titans. I mean, another Belichick protege there. Uh, really loves his defensive players. I'm going to go with Yatur Gross Matos out of Penn State. After watching a lot of Big Ten football last year, this dude absolutely tore up the Big Ten. Maybe not in Chase Young's level, commanding double teams and all that stuff, but anytime he get, he's always seems to be sniffing the quarterback. I really like that for the Tennessee Titans. All right, moving on to number 30, the Green Bay Packers. Just a few picks left here, but who do you have going number 30? Uh, another LSU linebacker, Patrick Queen out of LSU. I mean, that defense was just – what normally we would expect to see out of an Alabama defense, and they have a ton of talent there. Green Bay is another team that always needs linebackers. I don't really know how to explain it. They get they draft a guy, you know, they have a Blake Martinez, and he's gone. He's off the team in four years. So they're a team that always needs linebackers, so why not add another one, Patrick Queen out of LSU? At, uh, for their pick for the Packers, I'm going with Justin Jefferson, also out of LSU. I think they need to still address that wide receiver spot. Obviously, Devontae Adams is a monster, one of the best receivers in the league, but they really have not had a strong number two step up as a pass catcher as a whole. Obviously, Aaron Jones kind of took on that role a lot last year because Jimmy Jimmy Graham isn't what he used to be. Um, Alan Lazard is still kind of stepping up. They've had some injuries with Geronimo Allison, Marquez valdez team guys like that. So I think Justin Jefferson can come and be an immediate deep ball threat for Aaron Rodgers. I really like that. I think if he was still there, I definitely would have liked him to – go to the Green Bay Packers, you know, they're always, they've been looking for that guy to pair with Devontae Adams, and that is a great pick in that spot. All right, now moving on to our last two picks of the first round. Right now, number 31, San Francisco 49ers. Casey, Casey, talk me through your pick. You know, they do have a really stacked defensive line, but I'm going to go with defensive tackle Ross Blacklock out of LSU. Earlier in the draft, they already addressed a wide receiver position. So I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball here. They already talked about getting rid of Solomon Thomas for a while now. 
and he, he just never really panned out there after being the number three overall pick a couple of years back. I really like Ross Blacklock's skill set out of TCU, and I think he fits really well with what the 49ers are trying to do defensively. Nice. I like it. Now I'm addressing the, uh, the wide receiver spot for the 49ers, obviously, after losing Emmanuel Sanders. Don't really have a strong, real strong pass catcher outside of George Kittle. So I think they're going to take Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. He gets kind of, kind of stay over there on the West Coast. Obviously, you mentioned earlier how polished he is as a route runner, what he can do with the ball in his hands. I think he will be a big help to Jimmy Garoppolo. I really like that. I like Brandon Ayuka just in general. I think that's why I've had him going a lot earlier than a lot of other people have him. But I do like that pick a lot with Jimmy Garoppolo's skill set for the 49ers. All right, so now we're going to move on. It's the final pick of the first round. Like 32 overall, the 32nd overall pick, the Kansas City Chiefs. Who you got for us, Robbie? This was, this was kind of a coin flip for me because I really wanted them to take a guy like Jonathan Taylor. So I think he'd be so fun in that offense. You have Damian Williams kind of as your stretch back, your receiving back, have Jonathan Taylor as the downhill runner. I ended up doing against that, though. I have them taking Xavier McKinney out of Alabama to pair up in their secondary with their honey with the honey badger. I like that pick. The, the, Kansas City definitely could always use that help on the defensive side of the ball. But I did the same thing. It was a coin flip for me as well, and I went with a playmaker. They don't really need it. I mean, the receiving core is stacked as it is. But when you're the Super Bowl champs, you get to make these picks best player available. I am going with T. Higgins, jump ball specialist, another weapon that would make teams just crumble thinking about. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, that's literally the only thing that he's missing is a big jump ball wide receiver on the outside, on the offensive side of the ball to throw the ball to. So I think with T. Higgins, the Kansas City Chiefs get even more dangerous if that's possible. You know what? I think I think that they might be able to, especially with a guy like T. Higgins. All right, so that is going to do for our first round mock draft. We'll obviously tune in Thursday night to the draft, see how see how accurate we are. Now we're going to go ahead and move on to this kind of new segment for the week about guessing the winners for the NBA and NHL seasons if they are in fact over. We're kind of going to talk through who we think would have ended up winning with. So I'll go ahead and start us with the NBA. Um, for the champion, I kind of had three teams in mind. I had the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Bucks. Um, I struggled a bit on to actually who to choose, but I ended up going with the Milwaukee Bucks. I think Giannis was going to lead them to the championship this, this year. So much talent around him, so many guys that can step up, make big plays, Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, Brooke Lopez. And Giannis was just having a freak season, averaging 30 points, 14 rebounds in the early, six assists, a steal, a block a game, which actually transitions me to my next thing. I had Giannis uh, as the MVP. It was getting real tight there for a while between him and LeBron, but I do think Giannis was going to run away with it in the end, especially just based on how much success the Bucks were having. And now lastly, and now lastly, rookie of the year. This was kind of tough because you have a guy like John Morant, who's been balling all year. Kendrick Nunn, who's been a great scorer all year. Zion Williamson, who just came back but has been absolutely electric. But I did go with John Morant. Averaging 17 points, seven assists, about three and a half boards a game at, at the point guard spot. But, you know, he led the Memphis Grizzlies to currently the eighth spot in the West. So he was on track to lead them to the playoffs. So those, I think, are kind of my picks. I think John Moran was a, a shoe-in for rookie of the year. MVP and champion were a little bit tougher. But uh, now Casey's going to go ahead and talk you guys through what he would have thought 
he thinks would have happened had the NHL continued its season. So, Casey, go ahead. All right. So, for the NFL or the NHL, I don't know. It's just it was really tough to pick against the Boston Bruins and the to win the to be the Stanley Cup champions. But I'm going with Tampa Bay Lightning finally getting it done over the Colorado Avalanche in six games. I don't know. I just I think Tampa Bay. It's too many years in a row for the Tampa Bay Lightning to have this much talent and not win a cup. If the season were to continue, I think they would have finally got it done. I mean, Kucherov and Stamkos are really starting to get turned on before the the uh, dead time that we had in the last month when, due to the coronavirus and the pandemic going on. So it seems like it would be a slam dunk pick to kind of go with an oiler here. I'm going to go with Connor McDavid. He has 97 points in 64 games. If he had played seven more games, the total number of games that Edmonton played, he would have a total of 108 points. I mean, he's the heart and soul of Edmonton. The most talented and best player in hockey. It's not too hard to give him the trophy here. Um, for my rookie of the year, I went with uh, the, the, the Calder trophy, the rookie of the year. Uh, Kel McCarr, one of the best defenders in the league, and he's on the league's bet, fourth best team, the Colorado Avalanche. 50 points in 57 games. I mean, you can't really argue with that too much. I wanted to give it to Elvis from Columbus. I can never say his last, last name, so I'm not going to butcher it for you guys. But the goalie from Columbus, I mean, he's been spectacular this year. Elvis had 16 wins, nine losses, I think two overtime losses, and he's averaging like a 925 save percentage. He's been spectacular since Bobrovsky's left the Columbus Blue Jackets. I really wanted to give it to him, but I'm going to have to go with Cal McCarr here. All right, so that's what Casey and I think would have happened in the NBA and NHL and could possibly still happen if they resume their seasons. All right, so now, Casey, this past weekend we had the the debut of the last dance, the Michael Jordan 1998 Chicago Bulls documentary. You know, obviously so much craziness already happened in, in only two episodes. What are some of the takeaways you had from it? I mean, there was a there was a whole bunch of L's dished out in this documentary. I mean, really the only guys that – look better after it or scotty pippen although he looks a little selfish to some people it depends on the type of sports fan you are uh, michael jordan phil jackson obviously looked pretty solid after this but i mean you got the french audio guy that just goes up to michael jordan on the job and looks totally unprofessional that was one of the funniest moments i thought um scotty pippen's agent was probably just like what is the matter with you when he decided to go up to the gm and ask for that terrible deal the seven year 18 mil awful and I mean the 84 Bulls whose all their secrets just got leaked and they're sitting at home with their 60 year old wives and now their wives find out they got strippers and cocaine in a hotel room it's just a lot of a lot of L's taken in the stock and that's only we're only two episodes in I mean we have so much so much more to unpack just about this one season um obviously you gotta love the fact that Barack Obama is mentioned as former <laughs> Chicago resident but yeah Bill Clinton mentioned as the former Arkansas governor. Like we know, we know who these guys are. You don't need to say that just because you're talking about the Chicago Bulls and you're talking about how Scotty Pippen grew up in central Arkansas and played ball there at NAIA. I think, I think that part was pretty funny, honestly. Um, you know, I agree with a lot of what you said, especially the French audio guy that absolutely killed me going up, Mike and up Michael Jordan. And then, Oh yeah. Can you sign this by the way? And it looked like Michael Jordan was actually going to until maybe a team security guy stepped in. Yeah, that guy stepped up and he was like, no, 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 no. 
no, get out of here. <laughs> it's like, come on, you're on the, I, I get you, everyone wants Michael Jordan's autograph, but you're on the job. You got to act professional, man, you know? And then there was that little story too, speaking of Michael Jordan's uh, autograph with Common about how he went up to Michael Jordan was like, hey, can you sign this? And he told him, you do it. And then he gave the kid back and, and he spelled Michael wrong. And so he had to give that $5 back to that other kid. If I was that kid watching that documentary, like that has got to be the most priceless thing if he still has that basketball it's with a fake autograph by Common the Rapper. Like that's just an insane story. <laughs> For Michael story. Jordan, yeah. For my, that's, that's just nuts. Uh, that, that I am really in on this documentary, though. This has been, I don't know if it's just because we haven't had sports in the last month or what it is, but it's, it was really entertaining to watch, I thought. I mean, I think it would have been entertaining regardless of the time, but it's something so different that we're not used to over the past months. It's obviously one of the most iconic teams, one of the most iconic players of all time that we're taking a deep look into. Like Even Michael Jordan said it himself that he's going to look horrible after this whole thing airs, which we're not to that point yet. We're not there yet, but we might get there if he, if his uh, his statements are true. So I'm interested. I'm so curious to see what the rest of the eight episodes are going to look like. Yeah, same here. I mean, I like the way that they're telling it too. I like the jumping back and forth in time. I really think that's a great way to tell the story. You know, kind of recouping everything from MJ's career, but also focusing on that one team, like you know, the Last Dance. I think it's just great. And it's so nice because obviously, guys like you and I younger generation we didn't grow up on michael jordan you know we were live a bit there for like the wizards michael jordan early 2000s but <laughs> you know obviously that's not what michael jordan is remembered for so it's kind of nice to see all these different things that he did do for the league did do for his career it's it's just nice to get a look back and kind of appreciate it i completely agree All right, so now that we're done talking about that Jordan doc for now, we're going to go ahead and get back uh, to some NFL news. We've had uh, some new uniforms get released within the past few weeks. The Patriots, Chargers, Browns, Falcons, Bucks, and the Rams are still yet to come. Casey, give me give me rankings. Who has the best? Who has the worst? What do you think? I mean, after the flames that the Chargers rolled out this morning, I think that is just – the best by far way above all the other uniforms that have come out but if I had to rank them I would go the Chargers and then I would go second probably the Bucks. then I would go the Browns and the Patriots pretty much tied Patriots really didn't do too much to their uniform I mean add the shoulder stripes changed up the away jersey but it's pretty similar to what they had before so I would have those tied and I would also have um oh then I would have the Rams after that you know, I just really think that the Rams botched it with their logo, so I don't want I, – I can't even imagine the dumpster fire they're going to roll out for a uniform. You know, my uh, my list is actually pretty close to yours. I agree. The the ones that the Los Angeles Chargers just rolled out easily are the best. The, the powder blues and the navy blues, the all-whites, they all look so incredibly clean. I love the the number on the helmet. That's a, a real clean addition, I think. Um, my number two, again, the Tampa Bay Bucks. I think that's such an – because it was such an upgrade from their digital clock uniforms that uh, I just had to put them at two. <coughs> I agree with the Browns at number three. Um, I have the Falcons at four personally right now and the Patriots at five. I do not like the new Patriots uniforms. I think the white ones are so ugly. I think the Navy blue ones are, they're decent. They're their old color rush ones from a couple of years ago, but I think they look so similar to the Houston Texans. I think they lack originality. I would have loved to see them go with the retro looks, maybe some red uniforms, maybe, but 
I think a lot of people were disappointed by that and agree with what you said about the Rams, complete dumpster fire of a logo, complete dumpster fire of a marketing brand. I think that they are going to end up being slight, just slightly worse than the Patriots. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I actually forgot the Falcons in my ranking too, but they're just above the Rams. I mean, those were pretty garbage. I didn't like the gradients, but like you said with the Rams, I, I just don't, I don't trust that organization for anything. I mean, they had the winning seasons and I mean, Sean McVay is not bad, but the the constant moves back from LA to St. Louis to back to LA and it just doesn't work. I don't know. I, I don't trust them. I don't trust their marketing team. I, I don't, I don't like what they're going to put out. I can already tell you that I haven't seen it. I don't know what it looks like, but I can already tell you I'm not going to like it. All right, moving on to our favorite segment, one that has been in every episode so far. Is it an overreaction for Casey and I will present takes to one another, and we will have to say whether or not we think it's an overreaction. Casey, I'll go ahead and get started. Back to the Jordan documentary a little bit. Obviously, a lot of LeBron versus Jordan conversations have come up, but I think that Scottie Pippen is a better number two player than LeBron James has ever played with in his career. I am going to say that that is not an overreaction, and mainly because had he played with a D-Wade in his prime, because he was exiting his prime when LeBron went to Miami, had he played with D-Wade in his prime, had he played with Chris Bosh in his prime, had he played with a healthy Kevin Love. I mean, there's guys there that could fill the void and be on that level that Scottie Pippen was on for Michael Jordan. But I just don't think that there was a player in LeBron's career when he landed to a spot that there was a better two than Scottie Pippen. You know what, Casey? I completely agree. What do you got for me? All right. So my first take for you, Robbie, is that there will be at least two running backs taken in the first round. After hearing your mock, I'm not too confident in my take now. I mean, come on, Casey. You didn't have a single running back taken either. I'm an anti-first round running back guy, though. I'm not an NFL GM. I think that this is a complete overreaction. Um, You know, I was just looking at some betting odds today. Right now they have DeAndre Swift. His over-under is 31 and a half. That's the only one within the first round. Other than that, they have Jonathan Taylor, like 37 and a half. That's the next one. Um, I don't think that – I honestly could see us not even getting one. I don't think DeAndre Swift will go first round. I think we get zero. Right, bold bold pick there. I mean, there's always that chance at the end. But, I mean, because we did see Richard Penny get drafted by the Seahawks in the first round two years ago. All right, let's go ahead and move on. My next take for you is that Tua would have been the first quarterback taken in this class if it wasn't for his injuries. I, you know – Tua has the talent, and I think it matters who is picking it, that first overall pick. I think that that is an overreaction only because if he was not injured and they, they would have been a lot closer in stats in the Heisman race, I think Joe Burrow just fits Cincinnati's system better. I think it would have been one of those situations like Jared Goff and Carson Wentz where Philly just felt that Carson Wentz fit their system better. Either one would have been right in that spot, but I think no matter what, even if Tua was completely healthy, and had a full season this last season in college football, that uh, Joe Burrow is number one overall, no matter what. All right, Casey, what's your next one for me? All right, my next one for you is a similar one on the last dance. Uh, the Bulls would have won at least two more titles had they not split up after 98. You know, this is kind of an interesting one for me because I, I kind of immediately wonder, like, what would have happened if Jordan never went to play baseball? Would they have won a couple more in there? But um, 
I don't think that's an overreaction, obviously. Well, yeah, because you got to assume that Scotty Pippen stays, Dennis Rodman's there a little longer. I think they're kind of on the back end of their prime, but like we've already seen that Michael Jordan was not losing in these first couple episodes. So I think that if they could have kept all mainly those three together with some nice additional pieces, Luke Longley, Horace Grant, um, Steve Kerr, guys like that, I think I think they could have won honestly two more, yeah. Because they would have run into the Lakers at that point, I believe. They would have run into the Shaq and Kobe Lakers yeah. in the second. So it would have been interesting, but I think they still could have got it done. All right, my last take for you, Casey, right now is about Coach Duggs, the new USC offensive coordinator, obviously, <laughs> from Big Cat at Barstool Sports, playing with him on NCAA 14, so the video game. But my take is that Coach Duggs for Barstool is better than anything, any content we have with real athletes right now. I am going to go, again, that is not an overreaction. I mean, Coach Duggs, what else do I have to say? You look at this guy, he is an absolute unit, and he's just uh, – just an, it, it's hilarious the whole the whole concept especially the way people have jumped on it I mean Clay Helton's tweeting that big cat saying welcome coach Duggs as my co-offensive coordinator you got programs like Wake Forest tweeting after they beat coach Duggs and FSU I mean they're averaging 500,000 views per stream so at some points which is just insane because I've watched a lot of coach Duggs and I I can tell you I haven't watched any of like the slam cod tournaments that they're having with nba players i really haven't watched any of that so i I think the coach doug's content is top tier right now so i'm gonna go that's not an overreaction you know i completely agree you know he has forty thousand people watching him when he's making his decision (laughs) uh, after leaving the offensive coordinator at florida state he really wanted to get a head coaching job unfortunately didn't happen um it was reported that some boosters had issues with him didn't think he was quite head coach ready so I was so happy to see when he declined that Texas offensive coordinator job. That made my heart just so happy. I think, you know, USC should be a good fit for him. I think he has a lot of talent down there. Uh, Hollywood Dougs, I think he's gonna I think he's gonna win it all this year. I absolutely lost it when USC Athletics tweeted at him and, and had the Hollywood Dougs graphic. I I was crying. That's just that's just too good. That if anything sums up this last month of quarantining and, and social distancing, it's that. Because who, who honestly, who would have thought we'd be at this point? <laughs> they had USC's quarterback Kevin Slavis, Slavin, something like that. He tweeted mm-hmm. at Coach Dougs too, welcoming and welcoming him. And then uh, when Big Cat declined, or Coach Doug, sorry, when he declined the Pittsburgh head coaching job, Pittsburgh football tweeted out of that they already had their guy with the, with their head coach out there. There was even a guy that was doing something similar to Big Cat, and he tweeted that he got an offer from Northern Illinois as a quarterback. And then the Northern Illinois coach jumped in his DMs, and he's like, hey, we take a recruiting really seriously here. Do not be spreading that you have a, a fake offer when you really don't. And just was a total hardo. Just the situation's hilarious I mean there's so many people doing the coach Doug's thing right now and even the guy that looks like coach Doug's that's just been yep. big Call cat's right hand man whatever yeah oh my god it's just, yeah, it's just he, hilarious he is absolutely yeah that's all so funny all right now <laughs> let's go ahead we're kind of sticking with actually NCAA football video games here moving on to our Husker sports just had the the virtual spring game this past weekend which took place on NCAA 14 um the second half was played by Wandale Robinson versus Cam Taylor Britt Team White came out on top like 60 to 57 after some slow offense to start. Then it turned into just this huge juggernaut of a game. Casey, did you tune into that that spring game at all? I was in and out. So I watched uh, a little bit of the before just because I, I saw the the run of events, uh, how it was going to work. I was curious 
they do a ton of walk and like national anthem. So I thought that was really cool. And like how they got the cheerleaders at home doing the um, Hail Varsity with their with their parents. I thought that was really cool and the Husker Power chants. Um, I really liked the idea there rather than, you know, just cancel the game and do nothing. I think it was a really cool idea to engage with uh, Nebraska fans, especially a lot of them that really probably would have never fed streaming video games like we talked about last week, um, like the old people that are tuning into this thing. Um, what did you think about it, Robbie? You know, I was kind of looking at the uh, who who was watching on what platform, and Facebook by far had the most viewers. They had like it was like 18,000 at most to Twitch is like 3,000, Twitter's like 3,000. So Facebook was being dominated, definitely the older generation actually tuning in, which is surprising to see. Um, I think that Eric Crouch and and Tommy Frazier would have wanted some more triple option ran in those playbooks. I think they kind of got away from, from the good old Husker football that we, we've grown to know and love here in Nebraska. But, um, you know, it was definitely – I don't think it was that exciting to watch personally, but – you know, just providing content right now for fans, especially those diehards, is, is something you can't beat right at the moment. Yeah, I mean, nothing's going to beat the a Saturday at Memorial. I know I was looking forward to going to my last spring game and hanging out with friends and stuff. But, you know, it, it it's good on the Husker Athletic Department for at least trying to provide something. I mean, they had Greg Sharp. They had they had everybody. They had people talk yeah, during Tom it. So, at halftime. Yeah, yep. so they were doing everything they could to make fans happy, which I really appreciated. Yeah. Let's go ahead and stay with the Husker football team here. We have former running back Jalen Bradley, who just entered the transfer portal, I believe, back in December, January, once the season ended. He was just recently arrested for some domestic assault charges, so that's some big Husker news, despite the fact that he was probably on his way from the transfer portal. Uh, Bellevue kid had a really good game his freshman year against Purdue with, uh, with Tanner Lee and Mike, Mike Riley still here. And then we also have the Kevin, Cro- Kevin Cross transfer from the basketball team. Casey, what do you think of that? I mean, honestly, I didn't see before the season. I mean, we talked a little bit about transfers last year. I didn't really see that many people leaving the Husker basketball team. Like I thought Cam Mack and Sean Burke were both going to stay, but I mean, I guess Hoiberg, I can't, I really can't tell if this is a Hoiberg scenario where Hoiberg's pushing these guys out or if they're seeing the guys that Hoiberg's bringing in and they're just like, all right, I, I really can't compete with these guys talent wise. And they're deciding to check out and go to smaller programs. I really don't know what's going on there, but I do like the talent that Hoiberg's bringing in to replace these guys. See, I can understand, like, maybe a guy like Kevin Cross being pushed out because of the talent that they're bringing in. But, like, a guy like Cam Mack, I think he would have been just fine on next year's team regardless of who Hoiberg brings in. Yeah, I thought – I mean, he has the talent to start anyways. I I really wasn't thinking he was going to transfer, but he did have the disciplinary issues that we talked about before. I mean, missing team meetings, and he got suspended for for half of games before. So you can see if they're butting heads. But, I mean, guys like Deshaun Burke and stuff like that, it's tough because they do have the talent coming up, and a lot of guys that are either had to sit out last year or are coming in are going to be able to start this year. So that, it'll be interesting to see how the team shapes, I mean, if we even have basketball this year. Yeah, that's true. Well, that is going to do it for the last episode, probably ever, I'd assume, of just doing our Cobb as Casey and I uh, are graduating here soon, finishing up class. So that's going to do it. Yep. Thanks for listening, everybody. I mean, it's been a lot of fun doing the podcast. One of the main reasons we're – hanging it up is we're too cheap to pay for audition after the school kicks us off it so no more editing and that aspect but 
I mean, it's been great doing the podcast. Me and Robbie have become pretty good friends from doing it together every week. It's been a lot of fun, so I'm definitely going to miss it. And that will do it for just doing our Cobb. Thank you, everybody, for listening.